Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Big election in Israel, as you know. Involving uh, the Knesset Prime Minister, we have on the phone, news breaking, the pollster for Prime Minister Netanyahu, John McLaughlin, who happens to be a friend of mine. John, how are you, sir? Mark, it's great to be here. Great to be on your show. Tell it's a us. late t- over here in Israel. It's I, I know. Noise. I, it's a little late. It's, it's a little after 1 a.m., as I uh, see here. Yes, and you'll hear, you'll hear noise in the background because I'm at the Prime Minister's residence. And they're yeah. getting ready to go to uh, Tel Aviv and declare victory. Well, tell us about those, it. Well, it's one of those campaigns where it's a very complex system, where what you have is you have 120 Knesset seats, and the vote that is made, they vote, they're voting for a party, and the percentage of vote that you get determines the number of seats in the Knesset. And the leading party gets the first crack at being able to form a majority coalition. And for the last four years, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu had a, uh, uh, you know, very stable right-wing uh, government where he was able to last four years when the average Israeli government lasts only two years. And right now, according to their exit polls and their counting votes as it comes in, um, two of the channels have us at the right wing at 66 and 64, respectively. Out of 120. Out of 120. So the right wing has kept their majority. And usually, in 2015, the TV station that has us losing or tied in the block vote, they had us down six, uh, pardon me, they had us tied last time, and we ended up winning by six seats. Mm-hmm. So, so what's going on is, is that uh, they're counting the votes, and we're going to pick up. Usually the exit polls underestimate the United strength. And a lot of people had thought that after five weeks out from the election when, I mean, they just literally kept pounding in the media for the attorney general to uh, indict the prime minister or recommend to indict. Um, it was really bad because you don't do that, but they did it five weeks out. Mm-hmm. And it, we fell behind in the polls after being ahead. And basically, by the time Election Day rolled around, most of the Israeli public just ignored it. And so right now that there's a... These two polls have the majority ahead, and uh, uh, the right-wing majority, and one has Likud tied with our leading opponent, 36-36, but they don't have enough votes in the left to form a coalition. And it appears that only one of the two Arab parties will uh, get any seats in the Knesset because they had a low turnout. And, uh, um, and the other poll has us virtually tied, so... Well, I'll tell you, John McLaughlin, I'll give you a little news here. I'm looking at the Times of Israel, and they say with 228,000 votes, Tadlid Likud's ahead by 5%. Now, of course, that depends where the votes are coming from, but I I haven't seen anything, and I've been looking at the Israeli news, uh, uh, and I haven't seen anything um, that 
uh, suggests that the prime minister's opponents can put a government together. No, they can't. And he, he already he he went out and uh, who is Kalanu? Kalanu's in our government. He already tweeted out. That's a he just announced he's going to back Netanyahu. Right. He's part of the right wing coalition. Yeah. And he's basically he. I mean, we almost have the 60 votes now before they've counted the votes here, where basically the religious parties and Likud being in the mid-30s, 36 in these two polls, when you add Cochrane, when you add the religious parties, another 12 or so, we're close to the 60 votes already. It'll only take a couple more parties because we've got to see who qualifies because they have a minimum threshold of 3.25% where you get four votes in the Knesset. We have to see if a couple of these other right-wing parties make that threshold, and then they'll put us over the top. And uh, but Israel's a great country, and they know how valuable the prime minister has been with in terms of security and strength and ha- growing the economy. And he's on his way to Tel Aviv now to uh, declare victory. And uh, uh, our leading opponents, uh, Gantz and Lapid, um, I guess they did their Stacey Abrams act already, mm-hmm. where they where they said where they said they've they've won, but they they can't form a now, government. John, they don't have the 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 Labor Party which used to be a real party, is basically destroyed. Yeah. They only have 5%, 7%, something like that. Right. They were talking about, uh, they were talking about the, the leader might resign or retire tonight, but I don't know. I mean, he's not really popular. So, uh, like you said, it's, you've seen that. That used, to be the, that used to be the party of the labor unions in Israel, and uh, they've declined here because Netanyahu has really grown the economy, and it's now a high-tech uh, He's a capitalist. You know, 21st century, yeah, 21st century economy where uh, people are doing well and uh, they don't really need to be in a labor union. So, uh, so there's been a big decline there. And, and uh, this other fellow, uh, Benny Gantz, and his partner Yale Pete, who said, you know, they they had they would do this rotation where they would switch off being prime ministers. Um, you know, they left the center, but they didn't. You know. They really didn't. Uh, uh, they tried to move more towards the center so that they moved away from uh, uh, Meretz, which is on the left, and uh, Aguda, which is the Labor Party on the left. You know, John, so, this uh, this would be, assuming this all holds up, and I agree with you, I don't, I don't see how it doesn't, but if, assuming it all holds up, this is quite a remarkable victory for the prime minister because, as you point out, the the he's got some of the same issues going on that Trump does. The entrenched bureaucracy is against him. These prosecutors came after him. The media in Israel. I don't know if people in the United States even understands. There's no Fox News. There's no conservative talk radio per se like this. And so he's hanging out there basically taking all these interests on. And still, it looks like the Israelis saw through all that. Yeah. I mean, he's had when. Well, in 2015, when I worked with him and we won that election, there was a controller's investigation. Mm-hmm. And it was trumped up, and they had a report right before the election. And some of these investigations are just an extension of that. And so they've been persecuting them for four years. So it's, it's, there's a real parallel where the left has decided that if you win legitimately, they decide to take you out in whatever means possible with these witch hunts. And, uh, you know, it, it's for the prime minister here. I think four of the cases fell apart, and the last minute, the attorney general, five weeks out for an election, which you don't do in the United States. Mm-hmm. But in Israel here, he did it because there was so much pressure, and it's a small place in the left-wing press press for it. So uh, they they recommended to indict. 
oh, when they have a hearing a few months from now, chances are those cases will fall apart. So that, that was the most difficult part when this was happening. I was saying to him, okay, what happens? And he says, well, we won't be able to have hearings and, and get these thrown out for months from now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, so there is a real parallel. And, and, and the ir- irony is, is uh, just like President Trump had appointed Jeff Sessions to be the attorney general, he put it the prosecutor here. The attorney general is appointed for a 10-year term, and it was somebody that uh, the prime minister appointed, and he's independent. It's an independent position. He's not accountable to him. Mm-hmm. So it's like having a special prosecutor. So, uh, but, uh, but, you know, it wasn't an issue today. It wasn't – people weren't uh, focused on it. They were really focused on the strength of the, of the country in terms of the security and in terms of the economy. And when you think about – you know, what happened here where the president has got, I mean, the prime minister has gotten President Trump to move the embassy to Jerusalem, mm-hmm. to uh, pull out of the Iran nuclear deal, which our opponent, Benny Gantz, had supported. And he also, when he came in and, and said, we recognize Israel's uh, sovereignty over the Golan, I mean, people are looking at the, the prime minister and saying, why are we going to change this? The right wing government's working and Prime Minister Netanyahu is the leader, and uh, it looks like uh, the votes, like you said, the Times of Israel, the real votes will actually be better than the polls, and uh, that's what happened in 2015. So, uh, so we're optimistic that by the time they count the votes, between you know, probably be between uh, 8 p.m. and 2 a.m. your time, uh, it'll be even, even an even better result. And then just uh, just do me a favor, know? tell tell the Prime Minister for me, if you will. If this holds up, not only congratulations, but he needs to keep Dermer exactly where he is. The okay, ambassador, the ambassador general, yeah. to the United States. Actually, Ron, it's, it's, but that's a, that's a very important position that he has, and he's a great spokesman for Israel. But let me tell you, he used to be the prime minister's campaign manager and pollster. We worked together. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so the Brilliant man. Him, but, but he does a... He does a great job for the state of Israel, and and Ron's somebody who grew up in Florida. Oh, I know. Um, and then he did Aliyah, and uh, he's uh, a buddy of mine. He's a very smart, very smart and uh, intelligent, and great strategic mind. Because uh, when the prime minister spoke to Congress four years ago, Ron uh, was his main helper with doing yeah. that speech, and uh, he's really a great advocate for both our countries. You're not so, too uh, bad either, by the way. No, I'm I'm just a pollster. You're you're a righteous I, Gentile. I know McLaughlin no, isn't I, Jewish. Actually, <laughs> actually, when uh, um, you know what you know what it is, some, you work as hard <laughs> as you can. We work over the last couple of weeks, very, and sometimes God lets you win. So uh, sometimes the good guys get to win again. But it was very important that we won in 2015, and it was very important that we won in 2016 with President Trump, and now. Uh, with Prime Minister Netanyahu getting reelected, it's very important for the world that they have that moral clarity and vision in terms of what's what's right and what's wrong. Do you well, think? Let me let me ask you this before we run out of time here. Do you think this is is it's it's let me use this this imperfect parallel, the canary in the in the coal mine for us? Do you think this also suggests? with respect to President Trump, that there's a lot of support out there, despite the media attacks, despite the attacks from Congress and the prosecutors and all the rest, that that, that Americans and Israelis have a, a tremendous amount in common. And so do you think you think this is an indication that perhaps uh, Donald Trump is on a on a pretty decent glide path? Yes. I mean, I mean, we had him 
you saw our polls where we had his if the State of the Union, his job approval rising to forty nine percent. I saw Rasmussen has it at fifty three percent job approval for President Trump. Yeah. And there is a parallel even countries, the democratic countries. Bibi Netanyahu is despised by the elites, the left elite. And he gets his support from basically the Sephardim, the, the, the working people of the country, the ones that Hillary Clinton, that we were making ads this week, and they were talking about how they call them Botim or bots or something like that, uh, where they were comparing it to the deplorables ad that mm-hmm. uh, we made in the Trump campaign when Hillary Clinton said the people in the heartland were deplorable because they supported Trump. So there, there's there's a populist movement going on around the world where people know the difference between right and wrong, and they're trying to protect their societies against really evil things. And uh, this globalism doesn't work. And, and Israel's on the edge of this, where um, you know when you when you think about it, a week ago you had uh, Islamic uh, terrorists who were funded by Iran lobbing rockets into uh, the, the main portion of Israel. I mean, the United States wouldn't tolerate that, and uh, the Israelis were prepared to, uh, you know, do what they had to do. To now, John, I'm going to have to go soon. So you, you've been pollster to Donald Trump, pollster mm-hmm. to Netanyahu. That's right. pretty impressive. Uh, well, if you work for the right people, the polls come out right. So, uh, by the way, you did a great job. I saw your, uh, uh, I saw your uh, posts and your... Your advocacy on behalf of Prime Minister Netanyahu for the right reasons, and uh, love listening to your show because you provide you keep you keep us headed in the right direction. So you did a, it, your post over here was very popular with the uh, with the voters of Israel when that was really? posted about who they should vote for. Yes, because you were saying they needed to vote for Likud. It was a big move. we moved up in the polls in the last week very heavily because people were saying they had to vote for Likud to keep the right wing coalition. So, and basically, that's what happened. The right has won in Israel and beaten the left, and they tried really hard. All right, my friend. Well, uh, let's. Uh, you, you're fairly confident here, right? Ninety percent. Yes. 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 All like right. you said, you look at the Times of Israel uh, website. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, based on I've, I've been looking at polls every night this week, and uh, I saw us moving up, and uh, the right the, the right wing will have a majority of the seats. And they will make the coalition, and Netanyahu will be the, co- the leader of that coalition. So um, it will right, be a decisive win. Well, thanks again. Thanks for taking time. I know it's very late there, but uh, God bless, my friend. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you back in the U.S. Yeah, likewise. Take care of yourself. He's a, he's a fascinating man. He, uh, As I said, he was pollster to President Trump, candidate Trump. He's been pollster for Netanyahu the last several election cycles. Um. The media is reporting that this is very tight. Who knows? But, I mean, I'm looking at this. I could be wrong. I'm an American. I'm not that familiar with Israeli politics or how these various exit polls work. But as I'm trying to comprehend it and I'm looking at it, I don't see a single one, really, that says that the so-called center-left can put together a coalition. And that's what you have to do with these uh, parliamentary systems. Thank God we don't have it. But um, I don't see it. I could be wrong, but you just heard the pollster. So uh, we'll know more, certainly in the next five, six, seven hours. I'll be off the air, but you'll know more, too. We'll be right back. Mark in.
Folks, many of our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But sadly, many have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse and instead peddle their moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, there's Hillsdale College. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. And as Hillsdale enters its 175th year, their goal is simple and yet profound, to help students understand what is noblest and best in yourself and the world. Hillsdale College's liberal arts education and vibrant campus community helps students form a foundation for the rest of their lives, a truly life-defining experience. So if you're looking for a college that prizes learning and values intellectual enthusiasm, where everyone shares a strong sense of meaning and purpose, welcome to Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu slash admissions to plan a visit and learn more. That's hillsdale.edu slash admissions. There was an explosive hearing on Capitol Hill on the House Judiciary Committee. And Candace Owens and Mort Klein were unbelievable, and you should be very, very proud of these two as patriots, as people who believe in liberty and the truth. And neither of them were going to take any crap from this committee, and they didn't. And I want to play you some of this after this segment, which is short right now. Uh, Candace Owens going uh, back and forth with this uh, miscreant, Ted Lieu, left-wing kook from California, who tries to suggest that she supports Adolf Hitler, was disgusting. Mark Klein, who's now being attacked by the Hamas front group, CARE, because he called out the Islamic fundamentalists and their operations and their activities, and he's head of uh, ZOA, Zionist Organization of America, which CARE and the hard left hate to begin with. All Zionism means, ladies and gentlemen, is that Israel has the right to exist and the Jewish people have a right to live there. But Candace Owens was accused with a carefully edited audio of defending Hitler. It is, it is so sick. And she was cut off, and she would have none of it. And Klein was cut off, and he would have none of it. You're going to really enjoy this. I did. Unfortunately, I can't play all of it, but I'm going to play a couple of parts, so I hope you'll return. We'll be right back. Have you ever wished you knew more about how politics and our Constitution work? Could you explain the key differences between capitalism and socialism? Wish you knew more about American history? Well, I have good news for you. It's not too late to learn no matter how busy you are or how long it's been since you've been in college or high school. And you can do it for free. Because my friends at Hillsdale College, as a service to our country, have free online courses that provide a taste of the core curriculum that every Hillsdale College student takes. The core that teaches us how to think critically and act virtuously. And it can help you too. Getting started is very simple. 
Just sign up for one or more of Hillsdale's most popular online courses for free, and you can learn whenever you like. Visit online.hillsdale.edu right now. That's online.hillsdale.edu. Join right now, and you'll be on your way to a rich, meaningful education. Again, that's online.hillsdale.edu. America's Constitutional Convention, The Mark Levin Show. Call in now, 877-381-3811. This is going to be, and is, I think, a very exciting program today, so I hope you'll stick with us. Wait until you hear Candace Owens duke it out with members of Congress. This is the way witnesses should conduct themselves. They were doing a hate crimes hearing really trying to attack conservatives, trying to attack Trump. I don't know anybody who supports white supremacists or neo-Nazis or Klansmen in that whole group of uh, subhumans. I really don't. I mean, I'm sure there's some out there. But the suggestion that to try and project that onto legitimate, traditional conservatives and onto this president is so unconscionable and that's why you have to fight back all right here we go and by the way next hour president said hey look obama was putting kids in cages obama started this separation policy and he has been brutally assaulted throughout the media today on cnn by shepherd smith by a whole bunch of people and i want to address this i want to address this and we'll do that next hour so we have a, uh, a really packed program here, if I can get to all of it. Candace Owens at a hearing on hate crimes today and challenges the fact of the hearing and who's not being focused on at the hearing. Part of her opening statement, cut nine, go. The goal here is to scare blacks, Hispanics, gays, and Muslims into helping them censor dissent, helping them censor dissenting opinions, ultimately into helping them regain control of our country's narrative, which they feel that they lost. They feel that President Donald Trump should not have beat Hillary. If they actually were concerned about white nationalism, they would be holding hearings on Antifa, a far-left, violent, white gang who determined one day in Philadelphia in August that I, a black woman, was not fit to sit in a restaurant. They chased me out. They yelled race traitor to a group of black and Hispanic police officers who formed a line to protect me from their ongoing assaults. They threw water at me. They threw eggs at me. And the leftist media remained silent on it. If they were serious about the rise of hate crimes, they may perhaps be examining themselves and the hate that they have drummed up in this country. Bottom line is that white supremacy, racism, white nationalism, words that once held real meaning, have now become nothing more than election strategies. Every four years, the black community has offered handouts and fear. Handouts and fear. Reparations and white nationalism. This is the Democrats' preview. Oh, they didn't expect her. Nobody like her. No. David Cicilline is a moron from Rhode Island, a Democrat from Rhode Island. It's very hard to get elected in Rhode Island when you're a Democrat. He's all over TV because he really wants to show everybody how illiterate and inarticulate he actually is. And he does a good job of it. In other words, as I would like to say, he's a real putz. And he was at the hearing today, and he attacks Candace Owens. Cut 10, go. 
So I thank the chairman for, for uh, convening this hearing and regret that there are some on this panel who have tried to hijack this hearing and desecrate the lives lost to the hate crimes and violence of white supremacists by uh, attempting to use this as an opportunity to promote a political position. Now, they, now this, is, this is really unbelievable. This whole hearing is political. This entire hearing is political. Okay, you want to talk about white nationalists and suprem- supremacists and the Klan? I have no problem with that. Why don't you talk about communists? How many people have communists killed? Any hearings on during the course of this on the Palestinian terrorists, the ISIS terrorists, any of that sort of thing? Well, Mark Klein spoke up later, and he was attacked, and he's attacked by CARE tonight as I speak, the Hamas front group. But anyway, go ahead. And I think that is despicable and deeply regrettable. During the last 10 years, 76% of individuals killed by right-wing extremists were killed by white supremacists, making, as you say in your report, uh, making white supremacy the most deadly type of extremist movement in the United States over the last 10 years. How is that that true? What do we do? Ignore 9-11? So they, now they're picking their dates? That's interesting. And by the way, it's not like I'm a special pleader for any of these groups, but the media will, will, will immediately say, I am. well, he must be a white supremacist. Yeah, that's me. A Jew that has been brutally, brutally uh, characterized by these white supremacists. I'm, I'm somehow of their ilk or the alt-right. This is their game. This is their game. But the truth is, Far more people in this country have been killed by fundamentalist Muslims, by Islamicists. And we all know it. That doesn't make this right, of course. These cockroaches ought to be stamped out, too. But what kind of hearing is this? And why is it that the Democrats don't want to talk about that? And why is it that the Democrats don't want to punish the Islamists within their own midst? Like Omar and Talidi and the rest of them. Go ahead. And we have to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Well, here's Owens responding to him. Cut 11, go. Yes, I actually wanted to respond to Congressman Ciceline, um because he was making references to me, and I, and I thought that was a bit cowardly. Um, he said uh, he was dishonest when he said that the president refused to condemn white nationalism. Mr. Potts just literally gave the exact quote of the president doing just that. Uh, he does not want to accept the reality that the president has, under multiple occasions, condemned white supremacy and white nationalism, and the best condemnation of that is in the president helping the black community every single day with his policies. He also brought up family separation. This seems to only be an issue um, uh, for illegals at the border, and nobody ever wants to talk about black babies being separated from the womb of black mothers. So if he actually cared about that, he would be embracing me. And lastly, he brought up the rhetoric of the president um, as in the same breath that he referred to me as despicable. I'm tired of hearing the left refer to people as despicable, as deplorable. We are Americans and we are patriots. And even if we disagree with you, name-calling should not be something that is done, especially in, in, in these chambers. How do you like that? She slapped him down, and he deserved every bit of it. See, this is really a hearing on white supremacy and Trump. This is the game they're playing. And it didn't work because the Republicans were wise in who they chose to testify. Now, I want you to listen to this guy, Ted Lieu. He is a real slimeball, left-wing Democrat. 
Go ahead, cut 12. I'm going to play for you the first 30 seconds of a statement she made about Adolf Hitler. I agree. I, I actually don't have any problems at all with the word nationalism. I think that it gets, uh, the definition gets poisoned um, by elitists that actually want globalism. Globalism is what I, what I don't want. So when you think about whenever we say nationalism, the first thing people think about, in, at least in America, is Hitler. You know, he was a national socialist, but if Hitler just wanted to make Germany great and have things run well, okay, fine. Problem is, is that he wanted, he had dreams outside of Germany. He wanted to globalize. He wanted everybody to be German, everybody to be speaking German. All right, so my uh, first question is to Ms. Hershenoff. Ms. Owen said, quote, if Hitler just wanted to make Germany great and have things run well, so okay, let, 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 fine. So I understand how this is set up like a Soviet star chamber. He plays a cherry-picked part of a statement, not the complete statement that Candace Owens makes. Then he turns to a left-wing witness to comment on her and her statement while she's sitting there. While she's sitting there. This is the games they play. What is the purpose of this hearing, ladies and gentlemen? It's utterly and completely political, and the Democrat Party should reimburse the taxpayers for this. Anyway, go ahead. The problem is that he wanted, he had dreams outside of Germany. So when people try to legitimize Adolf Hitler, does that feed into white nationalist ideology? It does, Mr. Liu. I know that uh, Ms. Owens distanced herself from those comments later, but we expressed great concern over the original comments. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the response. Ms. Owens, Owens, I'm sorry. We just started a recording. Um, Would you like time to respond to that? Yes, um, I think it's pretty apparent that uh, Mr. Liu believes that black people are stupid and will not uh, pursue the full clip in its entirety. He purposely presented an extract, an extracted clip. Witness will suspend for a moment. It is not proper to refer disparagingly or to a member of the committee. Uh, The witness will not do that again. Witness may continue. Sure, even though I was called despicable. Um, Witness may not refer to a member of the committee as stupid. I didn't refer to him as stupid. That's not what I said. That's not what I said at all. You, you didn't listen to what I said. May I continue? Wait, please. As I said, he is assuming that black people will not go pursue the full two-hour clip. And he purposefully extracted, he cut off, and you didn't hear the question that was asked of me. He's trying to present as if I was launching a defense of Hitler in Germany, when in fact, the question that was asked of me was pertaining to whether or not I believed that Hitler was a, whether or not I believed in nationalism, and that nationalism was bad. And what I responded to was that I do not believe that we should be characterizing Hitler as a nationalist. He was a homicidal, psychopathic maniac that killed his own people. A nationalist would not kill their own people. That is exactly what I was referring to in the clip, and he purposely wanted to give you a cut-up similar to what they do to Donald Trump to create a different narrative. That was unbelievably dishonest, and he did not allow me to respond to it, which is worrisome and should tell you a lot about where people are today in terms of trying to drum up narratives. By the way, I would like to also add that I work for Prager University, which is run by an Orthodox Jew, and a single Democrat showed up to the embassy opening in Jerusalem. I sat on a plane for 18 hours to make sure that I was there. I'm deeply offended by the insinuation of, of revealing that clip without the question that was asked of me. Woo! You go, girl. That's what we say. Yes, we do. That was terrific. Terrific, Nadler. Tell me, Nadler, 
Why weren't you? Jewish, in part of your district in Manhattan, why weren't you at the opening of the American embassy in Jerusalem? Where were you, Nadler, when Candace Owens flew for 18 hours to go there? In fact, where were all the Democrat Jews in the House of Representatives? Where was Schiff? Where was Engel? Where was Schumer? Where were they? They were nowhere. Because politics first, baby. And they hate Trump with such a deep, poisonous passion. That their hate for him comes first before our country. And, in their case also, before Israel. Which they claim to support. You have strong, smart witnesses like this who stand up to these bullies and they own this hearing. And more when I return. Mark Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now I want to tell you about Imprimus the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty, with more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. As our friend John Solomon, a real journalist, is reporting tonight, there was also a big bombshell in another hearing today that Attorney General Bill Barr was at. And boy, he is, he's showing himself to be solid as hell. And I mean solid with the Constitution and the rule of law. And we'll get to that in a moment. Just a lot going on, friends. A lot. A lot of it good. All right. Where am I? I'm on cut nine. This is Mort Klein. Uh, excuse me. Which cut is it here? Cut eight, I meant. Nadler and Mort Klein. Mort Klein is the son of uh, Holocaust uh, parents. Parents were in the Holocaust. He heads the Zionist Organization of America, and he had been duking it out today, too. And here he's being cut off because he dares to criticize Nancy Pelosi in her phony resolution. Cut eight, go. I don't know how much time I have. You're, you're, you're 48 seconds over. Well, but I was stopped. I, I was stopped with, with the outburst. With the outburst. Go ahead. <laughs> Another 30 seconds. I have something uh, very, very important to say. <laughs> Especially as a child of Holocaust survivors, I was horrified to see Speaker Pelosi and Leader Hoyer defend Representative Omar after her vicious anti-Semitic remarks and presidential... Okay, the gentleman's time has expired. 
Ms. Owens. That was unfair. It was not unfair. You had plenty of extra time. Ms. No, Owens. it did not. So here he is, the son of Holocaust survivors. He wants to take on that bigot anti-Semite, Ilian Omar. It is a, commi- a committee on hate, right, and hate crimes. And he wants to confront them about their own member right there in their own building, in their own chamber, in their own committee room, in front of their own committee. And the chairman of the committee cuts him off. Gerald Nadler, Jewish, cuts him off. Will not let Mort Klein, the head of the Zionist Organization of America, to take on Omar, to criticize Pelosi, and to help to continue to expose what's going on in the Democrat Party and on the left. He cuts her off. He cuts him off. Isn't that amazing, ladies and gentlemen? What happened to transparency? They want Donald Trump's taxes, but they won't even let Mort Klein finish his comments. What are they afraid of, ladies and gentlemen? This Soviet star chamber. They want grand jury information. They want classified information. They want everything they can get their hands on, except honest, open testimony from people who not only disagree with them, but are trying to point out somebody who's a bigot and an anti-Semite. That's the point of their hearing. And he wanted to point out that it's one of their own and that Nancy Pelosi did nothing, nothing to deal with it. I've only just begun. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811, just to update. Um... A major newspaper in Israel has just said that Netanyahu is the winner based on exit polls that he will put a coalition government together. And, you know, for a lot of us who are conservatives in this country, who are American patriots, who support what this president's trying to do and are repulsed by the effort to dislodge him from office, uh, we can take some solace in this. Just as the Israeli people saw through what was taking place against Netanyahu, I think the American people, I pray, will see through what's taking place against our president. By the way, did you watch that NCAA championship game last night, Mr. Producer? I mean, two really good teams, Texas Tech, but I got to salute the UVA Cavaliers for their first national NCAA championship. NCAA championship. That was quite a thing, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. That guy, Hunter, was hitting three points from the corner there. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, it was pretty incredible. These kids are pretty pretty gutsy, quite frankly. Pretty gutsy. And also, there's a great piece by John Solomon, as usual, in the Hill newspaper, which is a really good newspaper, by the way. Don't agree with everybody there, but it's got a solid group of people writing. Something that Attorney General Barr said today. Attorney General Barr made clear, as Solomon reports in his hearing today, that 
he is going to launch a review of how this scandal began in the summer of 2016. He's going to launch a review. He wants to know about the FISA application, the FISA court decision, how this all started. It was opened July 31, 2016 by Trump-hating FBI counterintelligence agent Peter Stroke, as, as Solomon writes. Probe's goal was to, is uh, to determine that was uh, to whether Trump was colluding with Russia. Started this whole thing with the special counsel. And Barr said the office of the inspector general has a pending investigation of the FISA process and the Russia investigation. I expect that will be complete probably in May or June, I'm told. So hopefully we'll have some answers from Inspector General Horowitz on the issue of the FISA warrants. Then Barr volunteered his bigger news. Here it is. More generally, I am reviewing the conduct of the investigation and trying to get my arms around all aspects of the counterintelligence investigation that was conducted during the summer of 2016. He didn't offer much more, but he offered that he's looking into it. And I hope he is, and I hope he pursues it. Because there is no other way that we can prevent this from ever happening again. No other way. And it must be prevented. And we need to know who the perpetrators are. We need to know who the perpetrators are. And by the way, one of the things the TV didn't show after Mark Klein's testimony, when the hearing was over, he was surrounded by a number of, the, of Muslims who were in that audience, and they shouted that he's Islamophobic, etc. And of course, CARE has followed suit with their obnoxious statements. Remember, this is a Hamas front group. A Hamas front group. Now I want to show you how our media work when it comes to the President of the United States. Just another example today. Just another example today. First, let's start it this way. Let's make it interesting. you got to follow me through this. You know how my mind works. Step by step by step, we make the case. Back in June 21, 2018, Franco Ordonez and Anita Kumar... Reporters for McClatchy wrote a news article, Dateline Washington, entitled, Yes, Obama Separated Families at the Border, Too. Are you listening to me, Shep Smith? Are you listening to me, Mediaite? Are you listening to me? Who's that other jerk? John King, CNN, and all the rest of you clowns. No, Obama didn't do exactly the same thing. But you're not reporting any context whatsoever. So I will. And I'm not even a reporter. And I will use the McClatchy article just to show you this isn't a figment of some right-wing conspiracy theory. Quote, President Barack Obama separated parents from their children at the border. First sentence. Obama prosecuted mothers for coming to the United States illegally. He fast-tracked deportations. And yes, he housed unaccompanied children in 10 cities. For much of the country... And President Donald Trump, the prevailing belief is that Obama was the president who went easier on immigrants. I'm reading the whole story, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Just sit with me. Neither Obama nor Democrats created Trump's zero-tolerance policy, which calls for every illegal border crosser to be prosecuted and leads to their children being detained in separate facilities 
before being shipped to a shelter and eventually a sponsored family. But Obama's policy helped create the roadmap of enforcement that Trump has been following and building on. It's been going on for many, many decades and many years, Trump said this week. This is, remember, this is from June 2018. Whether it was President Bush, President Obama, President Clinton, same policies. They can't let them change. Both sides are always fighting. This is maybe a great chance to have change. Trump has made tough immigration policy a forefront of his presidency. He's made it a forefront, meaning he placed it at the forefront of his presidency. He wants to build a wall on the southern border. He's trying to impose a ban on travel several majority Muslim countries. He has targeted sanctuary cities that protect immigrants who are in the country illegally. And he began enforcing the new zero tolerance policy. Now, I know this is all put in the way of left-wing propaganda, but it's not my point. Stay with me. Remember what I'm reading. He took it even further, separating more than 2,000 children from their parents as a way to deter future migration, which has caused national bipartisan outrage. On Wednesday, he signed an executive order designed to end the family separations, but children will still be detained with their parents. Now, let's stop right there. People coming into the country by thousands and thousands every day illegally. How do we know that these are the parents of the children they're with? How do we know, Mr. Producer? On their say-so? Who's contacted to figure that out? Are they bringing birth certificates with them? How do you know that those people who claim to be parents are the parents of those children? How do you know those children aren't scared to death and they go along with them being parents? This is one of the reasons there was separation, which you're not hearing today. Because it's impossible, often, for our law enforcement personnel trying to secure the border to know who's who and who belongs to whom. And that's one of the reasons these disgusting kidnappers and coyotes do what they do. So, of course, there was separation. Yes, under Obama. Yes, under Trump. Yes, under others. And I would like to know how John King and Shep Smith and all the... Yeah, I'm calling names. Big deal. I want to know how they know that these were actually the parents of these children. They have no idea. But I want to go on. And by the way, I wish they would show one one-thousandth of percent of concern for babies who are actually born after botched abortions. I wish they would show one one-thousandth of a percent of compassion, of humanity for little babies that are born when the Democrats are pushing infanticide. The same Democrats who claim to be upset with separation do not seem to be concerned about execution. And that's exactly what it is. Exactly what it is. And the article goes on. That's McClatchy, a liberal news outlet from June 21, 2018. Now, Jeff Sessions, the former attorney general, obviously was enforcing 
the separation matter more aggressively. But this article was written to suggest to you, the American people, that Obama's no stiff when it comes to uh, enforcing immigration laws. Look, he's separating children. And, of course, you have the photos of the cages. And we now know what a hoax that was, pretending that that was during Trump. So the president is fed up with all this. Because all he keeps hearing is that he, his administration, separated children from their parents, children from their parents. No reference to what Obama did. No reference to what this article said a year ago. That the template, the process, was set up by Obama. Who took several actions to put it in place. And that, of course, was the president's point. But let's hear how John King, and John King is a one of a cacophony of leftist media types who are saying the same thing tonight, trashing the president as a liar. Cut 20, go. Interesting comments from the President of the United States here. Those crossed arms at the end, the body language telling you he wasn't happy with some of the tone at the end there. Uh, we're going to need a backup generator for the fact check machine for part of what the President said there, including his bit about blaming the Democrats. He's right. The President's, the Democrats now control the House. The Democrats disagree with a lot of what he wants in immigration policy. But this President. By the way, what, do you have to talk this fast? When you talk that, is, what is it? You're smart? You get to talk them? Go ahead. When the Republicans controlled the Congress, they would have given him a lot more funding for his border wall than he has now, would have given him some of the enforcement mechanisms that he wants now and could never get through a Democratic-controlled House. So when he keeps blaming the Democrats, so they have policy disagreements, but he walked away from a deal because he didn't want to give the dreamers Now, status. now, let's just stop. You listen to this? Is this guy a spokesman for Nancy Pelosi? Is he a guest from the Democrat Party? Is he an advocate? Pretty much he's all those things. And yet he's on CNN as a newsman. As a newsman. He doesn't talk about the decision that was made during the Clinton administration where the Clinton administration cut a deal with a left-wing federal judge, which is one of the reasons we have this separation issue. He doesn't tell you about that. The fact that we don't secure the border, that's another reason we have this separation problem. The fact that there are coyotes who are dragging kids into this country who are not their children, and it's hard to figure out who's who. He doesn't tell you any of that. And, of course, he'll tell you Obama, of course, did some of this and so forth. But it's Trump, you see. Trump. Go ahead. It was just about done. That was one thing there. Uh, yes, President Obama did have some family separations policies, and yes, some of those early images were from the Obama yes, administration. Yes, yeah, see how dismissive? Yes, Obama had some of the family separations. Yes, some of those early images were from the Obama administration. But look what McClatchy said a year ago. Obama set up the process. And what neither of them said is, Clinton settled the court case. But you see, Trump accelerated the process. Go ahead. But the Trump administration accelerated 
the family separation policy. He said, I stopped it. Uh, interesting, in the end, he said we're not interested in reinstating it. The reporting in the last 24 hours has been that they are having serious conversations about this inside the White House. Are they doing this without the president's knowledge, or was the president not telling the Maybe truth they're yet? not doing it at all. Maybe it's fake news, you clown, and you really are a clown. You really are a clown. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to explain some of this to you. Why we get this day in and day out. Day in and day out. Please stick with me. It's very important. I'll be right back. Lovin. Following along here. Following along. Unfreedom of the press. This is what you heard from John King. This is what you hear all day long. This is not what was intended by the First Amendment. No, I'm not encouraging government to get involved in any way. That's what the left does. That's what Franklin Roosevelt did. That's what John Kennedy did. That's what Lyndon Johnson did. That's what Barack Obama did. That's not what I'm about. But we are a free people. And that First Amendment belongs to us like the rest of the Constitution. John King is supposed to be serving us. Not degrading us with his propaganda. Unfreedom of the press. That is a phrase that needs to become commonplace, known throughout the country, throughout the land. Now, George Mason Professor Tim Grossclose, formerly of the University of California, Los Angeles, this is out of Unfreedom of the Press, my book. He developed an objective social scientific method in which he calculates how the progressive political views of journalists and media outlets distort the natural views of Americans. He says it prevents us from seeing the world as it actually is. Instead, we only see a distorted version of it. It is as if we see the world through a glass, a glass that magnifies the facts that liberals want us to see and shrinks the facts that conservatives want us to see. The metaphoric glass affects not just what we see, but how we think. That is, media bias really does make us more liberal as a country. Perhaps worst of all, media bias feeds on itself. That is, the bias makes us more liberal, which makes us less able to detect the bias, which allows the media to get away with more bias, which makes us even more liberal, and so on. Professor Grossclose continues, U.S. newsrooms are extremely one-sided. One consequence of this is what I call, he writes, the first order problem of an unbalanced newsroom. This is the simple fact. That if you read a newspaper article or watch a television news clip, then almost surely it will have been written or produced by a liberal. But another consequence, which I call the second-order problem, might be worse. Two effects of the second-order problem are the minority marginalization principle, in which members of the majority group sometimes treat members of the minority group, he's talking about intellectually, as if they don't exist. And on the occasions when they do remember that the minority group exists, they sometimes treat the members as if they are mildly evil or subhuman. The minority meaning conservatives or libertarians. Another effect is the extremism redefined principle, 
in which the terms mainstream and extreme take on new meaning within the group. When the group is, say, very liberal, mainstream democratic positions begin to be considered centrist, and positions that would normally be considered extremely left-wing become commonplace. The American Press Institute cautions that there is such a bias that used to be called pack journalism. It's also been called groupthink. It is the storyline that the press corps in Moss is telling or repeating. A modern term, master narrative. And they can become a kind of trap or a rut. The journalist picks facts that illustrate a master narrative, our current stereotype, and ignores other facts. Please stay with me. I'm not done. We'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. Adjusted. Samples suggest Likud ahead with 35 seats compared to this blue and white party, 34, easily able to build majority coalition. So it looks almost 100% certain. I know that's a uh, oxymoronic statement, but still, almost 100% certain. Let me do it this way, 99% certain that Netanyahu is reelected as prime minister. And I hope and I look forward to Less than two years saying the same thing about Donald Trump being reelected president of the United States. There's a lot to learn from this. Now, I want to get into more of this coverage of our president, this coverage of conservatives, this coverage of conservative principles that undergird this country and what we're up against. We are up against a hostile force in this country, a fifth column in the fourth estate. There's no question about it. When you hear John King, when you hear the others, there's simply no question about it. You know, my friends at Brickhouse Nutrition sent this note from one of my listeners. About a week ago, he said my son got really sick. He was coughing, runny nose, got just miserable. And after a few days of quiet, my wife got sick, still is, and now my daughter is sick. Everyone around me hacking and sneezing, and I'm just waiting for my turn. But for some reason, it isn't happening. And I think I know why. I'm the only one in my house taking Field of Greens every morning religiously. Hopefully I can get my wife on board before the next bug hits us. Thank Mark for telling me about Field of Greens. This is a real email. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables. 
and helps boost your immunity with antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is the easiest way to live a healthier life. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. So what do you have to lose? Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, promo code LEVIN, and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, promo code LEVIN, BrickHouseLevin, promo code LEVIN. Next hour, as a guest, we're going to have the National Security Advisor to the President, John Bolton. Because he has a lot of good stuff to tell us about Iran. I told you, we are packed tonight. And I want to get back to this. The media are corrupt in this country. They're intellectually dishonest. And it's just like universities, the faculty. The faculty become administrators. The administrators hire the next faculty. And it's all very incestuous. And I'm going to prove it to you. Again, this is from Unfreedom of the Press. You know, I got to tell you something as a side note. This is going to sound self-serving, but you know I'm not self-serving. Most of the money I earn is not from writing books. The hardest thing I do because of time and concentration, and it's very solitary, I enjoy it, but it's hard, is writing my books and doing my research. There's a lot easier ways for me to make money. I don't give corporate speeches. You see people out there giving speeches. I don't go on the trail to do comedy shows. You see people going out there doing comedy shows. They are making a boatload. I won't do it. There's nothing wrong with it. I just won't do it. I will do some book signings out of respect for you, the people who follow this program. I don't get paid to do book signings. Yes, I get paid to write a book, but I don't make an enormous amount of money writing books. I'm not Michelle Obama, who gets a $30 million book advance. You would be amazed at the advance I get, how low it is compared to others. I need to get this message out. We need to. You Levinites, as an army, we need to get this message out. There needs to be a million of these books from sea to shining sea, where people are learning about the media. They're not going to learn it in the classroom in high school. They're not going to learn it in, uh, in colleges and universities. And they're not going to learn it from the media. They have to learn it from us. And this is the only way I know how to do it. Radio, TV, digital TV. But this is where I pull it all together. And if you've been listening the last few weeks, you can taste a little bit here and a little bit there. When the book comes out, we'll walk through it. We're going to go through it. Trust me. And I'm going to be on some of my favorite shows on Fox, some other networks behind there. But I need you to acquire your copy to go to Amazon.com. It is discounted deeply there to get your pre-order. But let's go on. From the book. This incestuous relationship between journalists and Democratic administrations. Let's look at journalists and the last Democratic administration. On September 12, 2013. The Atlantic, which is a progressive media outlet, reported that there were at least 24, 24 journalists who transitioned from media jobs to working in the Obama administration. You won't find that in any Republican administration. Here's some of the examples. You want to hear them? Time managing editor Rick Stengel moved to the State Department as Undersecretary of State for Public Diplomacy 
and public affairs. Douglas Franz, who wrote for the New York Times and the Los Angeles Times, was an assistant secretary of state for public affairs. Boston Globe online politics editor Glenn Johnson was a senior advisor at the State Department. Washington Post writer Stephen Barr moved to the Labor Department as senior managing director of the Office of Public Affairs. Washington Post congressional reporter Shala Murray became Vice President Joe Biden's communications director and later senior advisor to President Trump. Rosa Brooks was a columnist for the Los Angeles Times before taking a position with the Undersecretary of Defense for Policy. The Washington Post Desson Thompson, uh, Thompson left the paper to serve as speechwriter for the U.S. Ambassador to Britain. Roberta Baskin, a one-time CBS News investigative reporter, joined the Department of Health and Human Services as a senior communications advisor. The Washington Post, Warren Bass, amazing, isn't it? Warren Bass, an Outlook section deputy editor, joined the U.N. Ambassador Susan Rice as director of speech writing and senior policy advisor. Education Week reporter David Hoff moved to the Education Department. CNN senior political producer Sasha Johnson joined the Department of Transportation. Later, she became chief of staff at the Federal Aviation Administration. The Chicago Tribune's Jill Zuckman moved to the Department of Transportation as communications director. Rick Weiss, who had worked for the Washington Post, became communications director and senior policy strategist for the White House Office of Science and Technology. Former CBS and ABC reporter Linda Douglas joined the Obama campaign and was later communications director for the White House Office of Health Reform. New York Times reporter Eric Dash moved to the Treasury Department's Public Affairs Office, as did MSNBC producer Anthony Rays. CNN's Anish Rahman worked for the Obama campaign and later as speechwriter for President Obama. CNN's national security reporter, you've seen him, Jim Shuto, formerly with ABC News, served as chief of staff to the U.S. ambassador to China, Gary Locke. And now he went back to CNN. And San Francisco Chronicle environmental reporter Kelly Zito joined the EPA's public affairs office. Notably, Time Magazine Washington bureau chief Jay Carney became communications director for Vice President Biden, subsequently press secretary for President Trump, uh, President Obama. You'd be hard-pressed to find a similar extensive relationship between numerous major media organizations and recent Republican administrations. This is from Unfreedom of the Press. Moreover, what of family ties between the press and the Obama administration? Family ties. On June 12, 2013, the Washington Post's Paul Farhi found the following. ABC News President Ben Sherwood is the brother of Elizabeth Sherwood Randall, a top national security advisor to President Obama. His counterpart at CBS, the News Division President David Rhodes, is the brother of Benjamin Rhodes, Deputy National Security Advisor for Strategic Communications to Obama. CNN's Deputy Washington Bureau Chief Virginia Mosley is married to Tom Nides, formerly Deputy Secretary of State under Hillary Clinton. White House Press Secretary Jay Carney's wife, Claire Shipman, a veteran reporter for ABC. National Public Affairs Radio's White House correspondent, Ari Shapiro, married to a lawyer, Michael Gottlieb, who joined the White House Counsel's Office. Vice President Biden's one-time communications director, Shella Murray, is married to Neil King, one of the Wall Street Journal's top political reporters. Pretty much, pretty big, don't you think? 
There are other former Democratic staffers who now work in the media, and some have long family ties to the Democrat Party, just a limited list. MSNBC's Chris Matthews worked for, among others, Jimmy Carter and Tip O'Neill. CNN's Chris Cuomo is the brother of New York's Democratic Governor Andrew Cuomo. CNN's Jake Tapper worked for Democratic Congresswoman Marjorie Margolis Mezvinsky and Handgun Control Inc. ABC's Cokie Roberts, her father was Hale Boggs, the House Democratic Majority Leader. Of course, ABC's George Stephanopoulos worked for President Bill Clinton. Now, how the hell is Donald Trump ever going to get a break? Ever going to get a break when this kind of incestuous relationship goes on in the mass media? How's the Republican Party ever going to get a break? And more importantly, how are we the people ever going to get a break? Now, you've seen over the last week and a half or so, I've gone through the ideological issues, the party issues, now the incestuous relationship issues. I've gone through some of the history of the New York Times. I'm giving you little tidbits here and there of what we are going to discuss in a huge, big way in order to try to get our liberty back, our free speech back, our press back, our principles back. They don't like it when you say we want to get America back. You might must be some kind of racist. No, we're not. We're patriots who love this country, who revere this country. Unfreedom of the press. I hope you'll grab your copy right now at Amazon.com as I'm talking. Pre-order your copy because we're going to hit the ground running. Trust me on this. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. recent study shows Americans are sleeping less than ever, even though lack of sleep ruins your performance and impacts your relationships. Well, I've got good news, because how you sleep at night is all the folks over at Bowling Branch think about. That's right. They want you to get the best night's sleep possible, so they created the softest, most comfortable, 100% pure organic cotton sheets in the world. Hundreds of thousands of Americans sleep better Thanks to Bowl and Branch and all of their products. From the signature soft sheets to the cozy throw blankets to their plush towels are designed with you in mind and they're made the right way, not the easy way. They don't cut corners. And they want you to love your Bowl and Branch purchase. And by the way, I know you will. But they'll give you a 30-day risk-free trial. Can you show me another company that makes sheets that gives you a 30-day risk-free trial? This is a special, special company. Bowling Branch is offering you, my listeners, $50 off your first set of sheets plus free shipping at BowlingBranch.com with promo code MARK. And by the way, it comes in a beautiful box. Mark, we don't care. I'm just letting you know it really is well done. That's Bowling Branch, B-O-L-L, and Branch.com. You got to use promo code MARK and you'll get $50 off. BowlingBranch.com, promo code Mark. Promo code Mark. Mr. Producer, my call screen is not up. 
Do you have a really bad caller or a really good caller? Rich, KRLA, 870 The Answer in California. How are you, sir? I understand you're a regular American. Uh, yes, sir, I am. Uh, Mark, uh, first of all, congratulations on it. You know, I was very concerned. His, uh, well, it's, uh, yeah, it's congratulations to him. You know, I wasn't running, but I'll tell you what. I'm sure as how pleased he won. As you know, I endorsed him, and I said if I were there, I'd be voting for him. You know what I think, though? I think everyone, virtually everyone in my audience here, all of you folks, would be voting for him, too. Oh, I definitely would. Uh, you know, Mark, I'm a, I'm a preacher here. I've been, been a minister and a, uh, a minister and pastor in the black community. I'm a white guy, but about 23 years now. And um, I know reading the Bible that Israel is the apple of God's eye, and you know that. And America's not far behind, so I'm, I'm a huge fan. Anyway, well, America is the apple of my eye, too, I must tell you, sir. Oh, yes, absolutely. Because I'll, I will just say this, because I'm accused of things that are simply horrific. I thank God for this country every single day, which is why you all listen to me go on behind a microphone in front of a TV camera defending this country, defending our founding, defending the Declaration, teaching the Constitution, going on about freedom, challenging the, the enemies out there against us, the, the people who promote tyranny, whether it's in the media or in the Democrat Party or even some of the Republican Party. I thank God that I was born into this magnificent, magnificent country. And we must keep it that way. We must defend it in every way because otherwise... We're going to be another throwback country, and our liberties will be lost, and our opportunities will be lost, and we'll be balkanized and at each other's throats the way the, the powerful politicians want us so they can come in and grab power and push us around. And this is what the Democrat Party is all about. It is grotesque. Anyway, go right ahead. Well, I was going to say that uh, kudos to this wonderful young lady, uh, Candace Owens, her scathing rebuke of this committee member in the in the. The committee, uh, you know, in general was was marvelous. I mean, in church we get excited. Uh, some of the people get up and holy dance. I would have been holy dancing, but uh, I'm at my desk here. I'll tell you, that, that excited me. Um, I've been fighting this democratic narrative for a, you know decades now. Uh, this this uh, this soft racism of low expectations of the of minorities and this uh, blatant pandering to minorities and and you know this idea of identity politics victim politics and entitlement politics uh, by a party uh, mark that by a party that has victimized more people than any other party in this country throughout its history rich and i'll tell you something else i grew up in a day and many of you did when my parents and the people around me would talk about how to be successful how to how to be responsible for your own activity, how to treat people with respect, follow the golden rule, be a person of faith, a person of morals, try and do the right thing, follow the rules. And all I hear today is uh, a, an attack on our traditions, an attack on our customs, an attack on our very, very being. And when the left tells you what's wrong with America, I can sit here and tell you a thousand things that are right with America. But Mark, one final thing, am I still on? Yes, sir. Okay. 
it's deeply troubling to me. I know it is to you and all patriots and all um, God-loving, America-loving uh, you know, people that we have a political party that is willing to sacrifice an entire race or racist minorities on the altar of, of their lust for political power. It's, it's blatantly contrived. They've done this a long, for a long time. They've done it for a long time. The Democrat Party is a party that's soaked in race. Whether it was the racism of the Confederacy, whether it was the racism of segregation, whether it was the racism of Jim Crow, and now they just apply it in a different way. It's constant race baiting. And that's why we have to be the party of a colorblind society that promotes individualism and liberty and justice any rule that applies to everybody. I'll be right back. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. At the bottom of the hour, we have John Bolton. National Security Advisor, former ambassador to the U.N. from the United States, held many senior positions in the Reagan, Bush, and Trump administrations. The update now, listen to this, folks, Israeli election live results. Uh, It could be a blowout for Likud. I'm not saying it is. I don't know where these votes are coming from. I mean, I'm not that familiar with the various neighborhoods uh, in Israel. But that said... On the seat counts, right now, Likud has 40 seats. This blue and white party of centrists and left of center types, you know, rhinos and liberal Democrats, let's put it that way, 35. And of course, they need to have these coalitions with these, uh, with these smaller parties, but if this holds, and I'm not saying it will, I'm just talking to you about what I know up to date right now, um, I mean, the, the, the Likud coalition could have 70 in it. I don't know if that's the case. But uh, we shall see. We shall see. And we'll know in a few hours. It'll be over. And by the way, you know how they vote? Paper ballot. Paper ballot. That's how you vote. Paper ballot, not electronic. None of this one month ahead 
early voting and all that. No, paper ballot. Katie Couric, you remember her? I know it's hard to remember. It's been a while. She was at the Museum's Free Expression Awards last Thursday. Hat tip to our friends at PJ Media. But I saw this yesterday. I didn't get to it today. But she's expressing something that's important. That further reveals who these people are. That Trump's behavior warrants greater scrutiny from the media. Cut to go. This is the most unconventional president we've ever witnessed, certainly in my lifetime and probably in history. And I think uh, his behavior... Whoa, 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 whoa. How would you know if he's the most unconventional president in history? Whatever that means. Is this a joke? Can she name all the presidents? No, she can't name all the presidents. Let's start at the top. Cut to go. This is the most unconventional president we've ever witnessed, certainly in my lifetime and probably in history. And I think uh, his behavior has and his actions have warranted probably greater scrutiny than other presidents. So I don't agree with that. Um, I do think that the news cycle influences how administrations and politics are covered now um, but I think there's some great journalism going on I hear this phrase all the great journalism going on where's great journalism going on at the New York Times at the Washington Post CNN MSNBC CBS ABC NBC is that where great journalism is going on no it's not go ahead few more really um, deep and thoughtful policy discussions and maybe a, a little less time devoted to the tweet of the day or the obnoxious behavior. And certainly uh, on cable, it's become talk radio with heads because... Ah, uh, there you go. Talk radio with heads. Go ahead. Opinion, and that's a that's a new thing, and I think it's further polarizing the country. But um, I think what she really means, if it's talk radio, there's only one successful brand of talk radio. It's called conservative talk radio. I mean, zillionaires tried to fund liberal talk radio, uh, but liberals don't like to talk and and debate and so forth. They like to compel and destroy. Uh, so, in other words, cable, she means by that Fox, talk radio types, by that she means Sean, and I guess sometimes my appearance and so forth, Laura Ingram, talk radio types. But that's not my focus. It's the beginning. This is the most unconventional president we've ever witnessed, certainly in my lifetime, probably in history, and I think his behavior has and his actions have warranted probably greater scrutiny than other presidents. Now, what does she mean by greater scrutiny than other presidents? She means he needs to be taken out. The Russia probe and all the rest of the BS. The emoluments clause. His tax returns. That's what she means. And then there's Christiana Amanpour. Where is she from? I can never figure that out. Do you know where she's from, Mr. Producer? 
She's a real bizarro. And she's on the Today Show yesterday. You see how they just keep recycling themselves and their arguments just through big media, on and on and on. And she bemoans the destructive media criticism. This is from our friends at newsbusters.com. And yet, she was savaging Fox News. Savaging Fox News the other day. But you see, Fox News isn't journalism. Only CNN and PBS, they're journalism. CNN's chief international correspondent claimed that criticism of the media was destructive. She seemed to forget tying Fox News to terrorism on her PBS show Thursday night. Amanpour claimed that the ethno-nationalist agenda at Fox had been recreated on News Corp-owned Sky News Australia and blamed those supposed anti-immigrant sentiments for inspiring the shooter who attacked two mosques in New Zealand's capital of Christchurch in March. I see. But she is defending a free press and attacking destructive media? Is that, is, that, is that how I understand this? Cut one, go. Following years of reporting from the front lines and in the newsroom, it's no surprise that Christiane Amanpour believes in the Committee to Protect Journalists. We are watching an era in which life for journalists becomes tougher and tougher, more and more dangerous. We are truth tellers, we're truth seekers. Well, they're truth tellers? Is this a joke? How so? More like fortune tellers. They're truth tellers? Talk about narcissism and, uh, and self-aggrandizement and self-righteousness and self-everything. Fill in the blank. These people are mental. We're truth tellers. We're truth seekers. But you're not. No, but we are. No, you're not. Go ahead the evidence and the facts. So we need the committee to protect journalists to protect and to have our backs while we do that job. This whole notion of fake news, I don't know why it bothers me so much. Fake news? That's what threatens you? Fake news? Not ISIS? Not the Syrian government? Not the Chinese government? Not Putin and the Russian government? Not the Cuban government and the Venezuelan? The phrase fake news threatens you? A little thin-skinned, wouldn't you say, ladies and gentlemen, for our press that runs around and calls the president Hitler and Stalin and a white supremacist and a neo-Nazi and an anti-Semite? Did I say racist? Sure. You're fake news. Oh, you're attacking freedom of the press. No, I'm attacking you. No, I'm a truth teller. I'm a soothsayer. I mean, a, a, a truth seeker. Go ahead can have a corrosive and destructive influence and effect on one of the most important pillars of our democracy and our freedom. It is. It is one of the most important pillars of our democracy and our freedom. It definitely is. But you're not. Not the way you practice it. You don't practice journalism. You practice propaganda. And you spew pseudo-events, as we discussed last week. They wrap themselves in freedom of the press. When they're not practicing journalism. And it's very convenient then. You cannot criticize them. But we will. And I just wrote a whole book on it. Go ahead. 
Well, we keep doing our jobs. We rise to the challenge and we redouble our efforts to be as diligent as we possibly can. No, that's not the answer, actually. The answer is to look in the mirror. Circumspection, reformation, integrity, truth-telling. The objective truth. You're a leftist. You're an ideologue. You're aligned with the Democratic Party. In fact, or otherwise, it doesn't quite matter. And you know I'm right, Christian. I'm unpoor. You know I'm right. But you're dishonest about it. You're all dishonest about it. They're truth tellers. No, they're not truth tellers. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Mike, Florida, go. Hey, thank you so much for taking my call, Mark. Man, you're awesome. I just want to hit you with some three quick points real yes, quick. Sir. The first point is this. I worked in uh, education as a history teacher in Orlando for 10 years. Yeah. And I can tell you right now, Candace Owens said nothing wrong about Adolf Hitler. She did what? The way Candace Owens said nothing wrong Are you wrong on a speaker? So I'm having a little trouble hearing you. Oh, no, I'm so sorry, Mark. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I hear you better. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I said, Candace Owens said nothing wrong about Adolf Hitler. The way her statement was mischaracterized was disgusting by Congressman Lou and by everybody else on the left. To say that Hitler didn't have uh, nationalist ideas or he was a nationalist is ridiculous. Secondly, Candace Owens made me proud. He, of the- he was a nationalist, a nationalist socialist. So how come the liberals don't focus on the socialist? Because they want to twist it and flip it however they want to. I'm really proud of Candace Owens. She represented uh, black America really well. Now, really- now, now, let me tell you this. I don't do this nationalist stuff. I believe in Americanism, not nationalism. I believe in federalism, not nationalism. If we're talking about patriotism, we're talking about Americanism. Nationalism is, to me, and to other people it means different things, uh, is, is, is a governmental context, the national government versus the state governments and so forth. I just think it's a lot crisper and a lot clearer to be talking about Americanism rather than nationalism because it's hard to pervert the word Americanism. But you're exactly right. To try and take a, a witness, and a, and, a, and a brilliant African-American young lady, and to try and turn her into a pro-Hitler type of protege was as disgusting as it gets. Well, here's one thing I would want you guys to notice. I, I watched Candace Owens on Twitter, and I watched her response on Twitter. All the people who are saying the most nasty and derogatory things against her are white liberals. Mm-hmm. And I've learned a long time ago as a black man that whenever you have people trying to shut you up, shrug their shoulders, or ignore you and not even apologize to you like Congressman Nadler did when he got caught saying she said something she did not, mm-hmm. that's when you're speaking truth. And I applaud that young lady for what she's saying because she says something that liberalism or white liberals do not want black America to hear. And I'm not saying vote Republican. 
But I am saying that we have to wake up from this nonsense of believing that the Democrat Party has had our back for 70-plus years since the days of FDR. And that has not happened. It has never existed. It has never been true. And we are still talking about overcoming, despite voting 80% Democrat since FDR. And that's what I think is ridiculous. And Candace Owens is just the lightning torch to wake us up. Well, that was very good. I agree with you from a white conservative perspective. Well, you know, well, I, I appreciate that. Um, I'm just hoping that if you have one or two black listeners like me, <laughs> which I'm sure you have, wait, a whole we, lot we have, we have a whole lot. No, that's right. Yeah, which you have a whole lot more that we can galvanize, we can support Candace Owens because if the Congressional Black Caucus won't call them out for their nonsense, like Natler, oh uh, no, 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 you know, you know, they won't. I mean, they didn't defend Clarence Thomas. I can go down the down the line. I mean, it's like anything else. They're left-wing first. Well, what bothers me, too, Mark, and just real quick on this, is uh, when Ben Carson was testifying, you mm-hmm. have a neurosurgeon who has separated conjoined twins successfully for the first time, and you mm-hmm. have a sitting congressman saying that he felt stupider, and CNN and places like that kind of mocked and laughed this man saying this to Ben Carson. That is the opinion. Well, let's let's compare Ben Carson to say Brian Stelter. Mm-hmm. Brian Stelter either had a lobotomy or needs a lobotomy, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. Wh- yeah which one is it? Does he need one or did he have one? Doesn't really matter, does it? No, it be, but but at the but at the end of the day, we. Don't and by the way, and Carson could do that for him. Yeah, and and that's that's the thing, and we know what we're fighting against. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing, and the reason why they had that meeting in the first place is to try to silence people like you. And can you please do me a favor? Can yes, you sir. please go to every congressman that you can and ask them to pass a bill to recognize Antifa as a terrorist group? That is what they are. That is what they have been. That is what they have continued to do against every how, how come at a minimum they don't call them a militia group? Because at a minimum, that's what they are. How come they won't call me a left-wing militia group? Well, it's, <laughs> they, won't call, they won't call them left-wing radicals either, will they? But we have to push that point. With and tell me, has there been a hearing by the, on, the, on Antifa, which was uh, in part Candace Owens' point? She said, how come you're not talking about them? Well, if you think of, if there are several videos of Antifa people attacking not just teenagers, but also attacking women and every mm-hmm. other minority aspect. It seems like when you're a minority and you speak up against the leftist ideas, then, then I guess you're a fair game to be attacked and put down as well. Sorry for speaking out of time, but I like to defend my values and stand up mm-hmm. for my freedom because of what I believe. I don't, I don't ascribe to any political party. I ascribe mm-hmm. to right and wrong in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But I just applaud you for what you're doing and being that lightning rod in that way people like Candace Owens, people like hopefully myself, we're not afraid to speak out without uh, knowing that that we, that we what we're saying is right. I'll tell so, you what, don't hang up, because I'm going to have to go. Don't hang up. I want to send you, when my book comes out, a signed copy of Unfreedom of the Press. You're a terrific caller. I appreciate it. When we come back, we will have uh, the National Security advisor to the President of the United States, John Bolton. They did something the other day that I thought was very important to discuss with the Revolutionary Guard of Iran. Iran is a terrorist state. 
and so their army is a terrorist army. They have killed a whole lot of American soldiers with their IEDs. They intend to kill more of us. Uh, They are spreading terrorism more than any other country on the face of the earth. This president is doing enormous things to try and box them in. He gets no credit for it. By Christiana Amanpour. Or Katie Couric. You see, he needs to be really especially brutally scrutinized. You know, he's just different than the others. I'll be right back. Ambassador Bolton, did we call you Ambassador Bolton? What do we call you, John Bolton? Yeah, well, you can call me John Bolton. I call you John. You're a longtime friend. That's right. <laughs> and, I, and I want my audience to know you have been a patriot. Every position you have held, even before you were in government, with Buckley versus Vallejo, a free speech right. case that was very important. But um, all right, let's let's get down to business here. Okay. The Islamic Revolutionary Guard. What did you guys do? Uh, The uh, State Department, at the direction of the president, designated the uh, IRGC as a foreign terrorist organization. This is a very significant development. It makes it a a criminal offense punishable by 20 years in jail for anybody to deal with the Revolutionary Guards. It has enormous consequences for immigration purposes, visa purposes. They can't come into the country. Uh, It's a real blow at the regime in Tehran, which is entirely fitting given their nuclear program, their support for terrorism, their, their general malign behavior around the world. And it is a terrorist state. This is the military wing of a terrorist state, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the uh, government of Iran was designated a, a state sponsor of terrorism by Ronald Reagan during his administration. It was the first government so designated, and Reagan saw it exactly for what it was. Uh, and, and this is the sort of... Uh, uh, activity that uh, really it's it's uh, going further in designating the uh, Revolutionary Guard uh, shows just how determined we are. Mm-hmm. This regime, I mean, I assume they're still trying to build their uh, nuclear warheads, right? Yeah, anybody who says that they've given up their nuclear weapons program should ask, why are they testing ballistic missiles so they can launch weather satellites? Not at all. They They still have the full intention of getting deliverable nuclear weapons. They have never made a strategic decision to abandon that goal. Are they ever going to leave Syria? Well, you know, I think it's one of the things that uh, President Trump is looking at how to do. He, he doesn't want to fight the endless wars, that's for sure, but he understands the threat that Iran poses. It's, uh, it's what we're still looking at in, uh, all, all around the region. And that's why this designation is so important, because in addition to the sanctions that we've imposed, the Trump administration has imposed, and the constraints that's put on uh, Iran. When we go after the IRGC itself, we're going after the the main element of their military that spreads the Islamic revolution. And uh, so that's a direct hit against the regime. Do our uh, European allies, do they see this the way we see this, that Iran is a, a serious threat to us and them, and they really need to put the screws on them economically? Well, they're not in the same place we are. That's that's a fact. It's not, not for lack of effort on the Trump administration part to educate them. And I think uh, they're beginning to see the evidence of terrorist attacks in, in Europe planned by the uh, Iranian intelligence ministry. They know in Europe as well as we do what these ballistic missile programs are all about. They just hate to give up the uh, Iran nuclear deal. It's really uh, hoping against hope that uh, somehow or another 
that deal can be saved. But it's Iran's own activity that's undermined it. It's not anything the U.S. has done other than protect ourselves against the threat of a nuclear Iran. Now that you guys have put the scarlet letter on them, that is the Islamic Revolutionary Guard, does that have any consequences for European companies? Yeah, absolutely. Anybody who now uh, knowingly deals with uh, the Guard or any of its elements or any of its people is guilty of a felony under American law. And uh, there are criminal penalties. There are civil penalties that flow from it. Uh, and, And this is quite important because in many respects, the Revolutionary Guard and its Quds Force, which is the, the part of the, of the IRGC that operates abroad in Iraq, in Syria, in Lebanon, uh, really depends on being able to do business overseas. And this is going to make it very, very difficult for them. I'm curious, the Chinese and the Russians, are they continuing to help arm the Iranians? Well, they are. You know, the uh, the Chinese would like nothing better than to continue to buy uh, Iranian oil. We're coming up on a very important decision whether to ban uh, all exports of Iranian oil that would affect China, among other countries. Russia still wants to sell Iran very sophisticated weapons. Uh, they are linked together. And uh, one of the things that we're trying to do with the Russians is explain that this is not in their best interest. Uh, and so far, we've uh, we've not been persuasive, but we're going to continue to try and make that point. You know, uh, it's interesting to me. This it's an odd, an odd movement of countries here. I mean, Turkey. Um, do Turkey and Iran get along better these days? Well, they have some common objectives uh, uh, that are not in our best interest. That's for sure. I, I think what. Uh, people need to understand is that uh, when the Cold War ended, the world didn't emerge into sweetness and light. In in effect, we went back uh, to an old-fashioned 19th century uh, competition among powers, a balance of power approach. Uh, It's not ideological like the Cold War, but but nobody should operate under the illusion that conflict and, and, and risk to the United States was eliminated. That's one reason why, for all the criticism he gets, uh, by people who who say he's putting too much pressure on our NATO allies to m- live up to their own commitments to spend two percent of their gross domestic product on defense. That that in effect makes NATO a stronger alliance because we do have uh, a threat posed by the Russians in Eastern and Central Europe. So it's uh, understanding we're living in a different world. It doesn't look like the Cold War. That's true. It doesn't look like the post Cold War era. Uh, events are changing. China is the existential problem of the 21st century, and, and we need to deal with that. But there are plenty of other problems out there for the United States, too. The president met with the president of Egypt today. What did they talk about that you're allowed to tell us about? Well, they had a very wide-ranging, very cordial discussion. Uh, they talked about Iran, obviously, and the threat that Iran posed. We talked about events in Libya and the Sudan bordering on Egypt. Uh, We talked about how President el-Sisi had acted against the Muslim Brotherhood, this extremist uh, organization that that in Egypt they treat as a terrorist organization. Uh, And uh, he he gave us a lot of uh, interesting thoughts and and so on. It was a very very productive discussion, and uh, particularly as we're in the middle of the uh, Israeli election, uh, you know, this is the – the relationship between Egypt and Israel has gone through its ups and its downs, but they've been at peace since 1979, uh, and that's something we need to remember that uh, uh, under al-Sisi, the Egyptians are very committed to the Camp David Accords. I know you have to go. Keep up the good work. We very, very much appreciate it out here, and uh, give the president our best, too. 
I will do that. Well, you, you, I'm sure you'll talk to him in the near future, too, and he, he always enjoys it, and I, 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 know, I know when he's talked to you because he always mentions it. Well, thank you. And take care of yourself, John. God bless. Okay, Mark. Thank you. It's a great national security advisor. He's got a great team around him now. I noticed on one of the cable channels they were pointing out that the shakeup over the last two years in this president's cabinet is more than any president in modern history. Well, he's an outsider. And he knows what he wants. And if something doesn't work out, he deals with it. Rather than just hanging on, hanging on, hanging on. What is the problem? Okay, he's not George W. Bush. So what? He's not Richard Nixon. So what? He's Donald Trump. Like nails on a chalkboard. It's tax season. If you have IRS debt, every tax ad you hear reminds you this could be the day the IRS nails you. Now, you broke rule number one. Don't mess with the IRS. They can garnish your paycheck, levy your bank accounts, even take your home away. Now, I'm going to give you my direct line to Optima Tax Relief because they're the very best and they help a lot of people. And it's just for you, my listeners, to ask about the Fresh Start Initiative, one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered. If you qualify, you could save thousands, even tens of thousands. Nobody knows this program like Optima Tax Relief. They have an A-plus rating, and they're resolved over, they've resolved over a billion dollars in tax debt for their clients. They'll stand between you and the IRS and fight to get you the best deal possible. Call now to see if you qualify for the Fresh Start Initiative. 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. Now, if you're in trouble and you don't call now, what do you think is going to happen? Hello? Like Roger Stone, like Paul Manafort. Take care of your business. And your business is protecting yourself, your home, your family. Call 800 499 6300. 800 499 6300. All right, Mr. Producer, who do we have? KRDY, Greg in Texas. How are you? Where are you in Texas? They only give me so, sedition. When's the last time anybody's been uh, charged with? Sedition? Well, that that we don't do that anymore. That would be under uh, Woodrow Wilson. Well, I mean, could Trump start to focus on something like that? I, I don't really want him charging people with. Uh, listen, is that what you really want presidents to do? No. But and let's say, and let's say Kamala Harris becomes president. You want her to charge me with sedition? No. Okay, so that's a power we don't want presidents to exercise, and yet the great intellectual progressive, so-called Woodrow Wilson, used it. They amended the Espionage Act in 1917-1980 with a number of amendments to bring back sedition. And he had a number of journalists charged and imprisoned. He also had a number of political opponents charged and imprisoned. We have a president today that doesn't do anything like that, who simply wants the law to be followed, and we have federal judges appointed by Obama who think they run the country. Thanks for your call, Greg, and I wanted to get into this, and I, and I don't have a lot of time left. We have these left-wing Obama judges, many of them in California, who are running the country. One federal district judge, and we have hundreds of them, issues an order 
that applies to the entire country, which is new, by the way, and is now running immigration policy, running foreign affairs. The president of the United States negotiates a deal with the president of Mexico that people who want to come in here, refugee status, that they have to wait in Mexico to be processed so they don't come into this country, go through our phony administrative law judges, and then disappear, never to show up for their hearings. So the president says, all right, I worked out this deal with the country to the south, Mexico. They said they'll handle some of this. Great, And then we have an Obama judge. Got that, Mr. Chief Justice? An Obama judge. Who rules, no, you can't do it. It's dangerous in Mexico. It's not really fair to me. Where the hell does this come from? The Constitution doesn't permit this. One out of, a, out of 900 federal district judges, maybe there's 1,000 of them now. I mean, there's always going to be a kook among them, and they form shop on the left. People should be so furious and appalled by this judicial tyranny that takes place in our country. It's not just the Democrats who have blocked this president. It's the courts who have blocked this president. It's the Obama judges and the Clinton judges who blocked this president. And then you look on the Supreme Court. They say there's a bromance going on now between Kavanaugh and Roberts. Kavanaugh has voted with Roberts since he's been on the court in virtually every single decision. And Roberts is more concerned about how history is going to treat him as chief justice. He doesn't want to be the head of this retrograde, regressive, right-wing court. He's a disgrace, in my humble opinion. And I warned you all about Kavanaugh. I'm like, nah, nah, nah. You got so upset, as did I, about the way he was treated that you were willing to give him a pass on the uh, philosophical. Even I've had a, a federal judge who's a friend of mine on the same district court calls me and says, what do you have against him? I don't have anything against him. But he's weak. How do you know? The Obamacare decision, he was weak. He's the one who came out with, up with the tax argument that shocked the other four justices that Roberts embraced, and now they have a quote-unquote bromance. I'm not surprised. I'm troubled, but I'm not surprised. We can never seem to get a consistent, originalist majority on this Supreme Court. Somebody or bodies always flip. But no, we'll leave sedition to the Democrats. They're good at that. And... uh, uh, that's not the sort of thing that we want uh, We want presidents to use. Uh, Jefferson opposed Adams on it. And, uh, and uh, many, many people opposed uh, uh, Woodrow Wilson on it. And yet you look at the modern press day. They love Woodrow Wilson, who brutalized the First Amendment. They love FDR, who brutalized the First Amendment. They love FDR, who actually took 120,000 Japanese Americans and Americans of Japanese descent and actually did send them into internment camps in the central part of the country. And we love him. The Green New Deal. And there you had the great Supreme Court in the Korematsu case that upheld it. Oh, the great activists on the court. This is what happens when you're unmoored from a constitutional system. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. No 
doubt Americans are having a hard time affording their prescription drugs. But while Democrats blame drug companies, they ignore that patients are being denied discounts that are kept by middlemen. That's why I've been telling you about pharmacy benefit managers, or PBMs, and why they intend to keep prescription drug costs artificially high. Finally, Congress is investigating this issue. Senator Chuck Grassley, head of the Senate Finance Committee, brought in the CEOs of the largest PBMs to shine a light on their industry. And folks, it wasn't hard to round them up. Get this, just three PPMs control 85% of the market. Just three companies. So much for competition to drive down prices. I'm glad Grassley asked tough questions because I don't know what the hell PBMs do except get themselves uh, uh, rich at the expense of their patients. I'm not against capitalism. This isn't capitalism. President Trump is willing to expose PPMs to bring their hidden drug rebate scheme to light. And he wants discounts to go to seniors at the pharmacy counter. And I couldn't agree more, which is why I've been talking about this for weeks now. Get the facts. Go to TrueHealthCareFacts.com. TrueHealthCareFacts.com. That's TrueHealthCareFacts.com. Now, we have a caller. I'm not going to take the caller who asks, can Donald Trump dump these federal judges? Now, does everybody know the answer to that question? They have lifetime appointments. Now, has, has Donald Trump ever dumped a federal judge? Has any president ever dumped a federal judge? The president can't dump a federal judge. Congress can impeach the House and the Senate can remove. So we won't take that call because that seems rather elemental. John, in Center City, Pennsylvania, instead, the great WPHT, how are you? Hi, Mark. I'm well, I'll make this succinct. I would like to get a clear explanation of how one judge can overturn Trump's executive orders and another, for example, with the um, so-called uh, ban on Muslim immigration, which is wrong on its face. And then another judge... Well, 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 well. He didn't ban Muslim immigration. He banned immigration from, I believe it was six or seven Muslim-majority countries that don't even represent the vast majority of Muslims in the world or the vast majority of Muslims who come to this country because they are war-torn countries where there's terrorism and they couldn't vet them. So if we had questions about them, we didn't know who they were and we didn't know who to ask about them. Yes, Mark, I agree. I meant it's, it's wrong to call it a Muslim ban, okay? How can one judge do that and another judge can then say that Trump cannot overturn Obama's executive order to ban drilling in Anwar. This is a great point. We have another Obama judge who said that Obama meant his executive order to be permanent, and so the new president can't issue an executive order reversing it. You're right, exactly right. These judges are doing more to undermine the rule of law than even these creepy leftist kooks who want open borders because these judges are about judging they're supposed to apply the rule of law you're exactly right obama's executive order apparently is law for all time and no future president can change it with his own executive order we have a lot of problems the courts i wrote a book about that but it's the media now folks please go to amazon.com it's heavily discounted grab your pre-order copy of unfreedom of the press we'll show these guys we'll spread the word all over the country and we'll begin to educate our fellow citizens We salute all you heroes out there, and I'll see you tomorrow on the radio. Check out Levin TV tonight. God bless.